Psalms 145, verse 4 says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. This is talking about one generation to the next. This is what they says they're going to do. You with me? I'm all about our, and you're just going to have to bear with me, okay? I'm all about our kids' ministry. I'm all about what Jonathan and Dawn pour into our kids and all our teachers in this new class that we're starting. But we're intentional in having them in in our worship because we want them not just, we don't want them to spectate. Many times, uh, as I said, they participate. That's why I don't sit in the back. Just look at them and look at the floor. I don't sit in the back because I know not everybody participates like I participate, and I don't want to be distracted. I choose not to be distracted. I can sit in the back and not be distracted, but I choose to be in the front. And the kids worshiping, dancing, that doesn't distract me. I was even, the Lord was schooling me as I was watching them. Even little Savannah, she was up. Love you, sweetie. And she was up dancing and she was clueless to y'all. Just so you know, she thought this room was for her. She was going to the mic. She was going wherever she wanted to. Now, should we just do that every Sunday? Absolutely not. Don't get in a ditch. I'll knock you in a ditch today if you want to be in one. I won't lead you there. I'll just knock you over in there in love in Jesus' name. But I watched just how she was clueless to everybody else in the room. And I didn't intentionally turn around and look and see who might be conscious of who's in the room. You know who I'm talking to. If that was you, and you were worried about what was going on, and you were distracted by what was going on, then you were, your attention wasn't on him, it was on them, whoever they may be. Are you with me? I don't want to lose anybody today. I'm going to try to talk slow and then be intentional because I want us to go together. I don't want me to just go like I do and have the potential to do. <laughs> I want us to go together because it's imperative that we walk together. To do all that he wants us to do, it's imperative that we go together. And as I was watching how they worshiped, and the Lord just really began to speak to me about that song, about, Lord, going beyond what's natural, what's comfortable to me. And he immediately took me to Ezekiel 47 in my heart about, you know, the river coming out. Out of the house of God. It came out ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. Then it was so deep that you couldn't touch. You remember that? should be kind of familiar. It's the passage we started the church on. Uh, 47. And uh, it talked about the river coming out of the house of God. We are that house of God. Our bodies is that temple. It's that house of God. And the presence of the Lord should come out. But then it's kind of a... I don't even know the right terminology. It can be confusing if you think we're the river and we're in the river. But we're in his river. And we are a river. Is that a tributary? What is that? Tributary pours into a river, right? Well, we're running out. Anyway, and what's so cool, Kelly came up to me in worship after, Stephanie, after you'd given that word about the helm. And the helm is the controls. And he said he'd shine light on the helm. I was clueless. I didn't know either. I just smiled and shook my head. <laughs> I'll look it up later. <laughs> and Kelly came up and said, that's the controls, and it, it, it entails everything that controls the ship. It's the helm. I don't know about you, but that excites me. He said, I'll put my light on the controls. <laughs> Come on. But he said in, in Psalm 145, 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. See, 
I don't want just to have a building that has every program that we're supposed to have and we're doing it right and we're functioning like we're supposed to. What I want us to be is a healthy body that functions that way. Josh came up to me and uh, he, he was reading in a book by Jack Frost. And uh, Jack Frost wrote a lot about the father's uh, heart and understanding a father's embrace is one of the books. And uh, he was a... He was a captain, a sea captain over a ship, and he uses a lot of analogies about it. But uh, so Josh said it was just unique that we had. That. See, I just he he's he's really that big, guys. He really is. The Lord is really that big that he can go af- ahead of us and uh, can do something as simple as as a picture on the screen. Are you with me? you got to see him as that's who he is, that he can really do that, that it's not coincidence or chance or happenstance. It's the goodness of the Lord that goes before us, right? So that prompted Josh to think of the book that he was reading, and in it, it was talking about, uh, it talked about community, but it came down to this. Until we understand the relationship that we're to have with the Father, the Father's heart relationship, and have community with him. And that's exactly what's in my notes to share today. When we have community with him, that community with him goes to community with our family. And the reason we don't see a lot of community in the church is because we don't have community at home and we don't have community with him. Is that right? Is that pretty much what it said? Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we don't have that standing with him to where we just, we just spend time with him like, like these girls spend with their family. Like they, they spend at home. I've seen uh, most of them, how they respond in their families. And uh, it encourages me. And it, it blesses me that you can have, when you have a strong home, you'll bring that into the church and you can have a strong community in the church. But many times our church communities suffer because, see, here's what happens inside of a community, Okay. A community is not just a place where we gather and we hug each other and we feel good and we just say sweet things all the time. <laughs> well, then I don't want nothing to do with it. Community is where I allow someone to speak into my life and I'm allowed to speak into theirs. That we're no longer doing separate lives and just saying we care about each other, but we're involved with one another and allow one another to share and to speak, to help, to grow, to encourage, and to strengthen me. All right, I'm going to say it. (laughs) I am not anti-social media. That's my disclaimer. But I am disheartened by what I see, how people live a fake life on social media. And you know why we have, you know why Facebook has taken off like it has? Here's why. Because I can post what I want to post, and if I don't like what you post back, I can hide you or defriend you. See, used to, I had to just say, nope, don't like you, you're not my friend anymore. And then the other person would know I didn't like them. Right? I don't have to do that anymore. Now I can just hide you. Don't want them. Don't need them. Because they don't make me feel warm and fuzzy. So I want to be able to say what I want to say and not really care what you say unless you say the same thing I say. And if you don't say what I say, which makes me happy, I'll hide you. That way, I don't have to hear what you say, but you don't have to know that I don't like you anymore. I can still wish you a happy birthday. (laughs) And like your post. But I'm done with you. Because... You don't make my community a happy place. I love the commercial. I don't even remember who, what it was about at all. I just love the commercial of the old the senior ladies. <laughs> the 
The mature ladies, and the woman's got this wall in her house, and she's got her friends and her pictures up there, and, and this one lady says, and I don't even remember all of it. I just know the just of it. She says well, something that she doesn't like, and she said, well, I defriend you, and she took her picture off of the wall, and she said, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And I'm thinking, that's, a, that's prophetic. <laughs> it's somewhat pathetic, but it's very prophetic. Because that's how we do life. Because, see, community is not just we get together. And, and because, again, what is the biblical pres- precedence for all of this? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1 through 2. <laughs> because we see there the birthing of what? The church. We see the birthing of the church in Acts 1 and 2. And the Lord is just, this part of this process of me just being undone because he showed me through Acts 1 and 2, he told him, he said, you go wait. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to tell you what it looks like. I'm just going to do it. You got to trust me. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? I'm going to do something, but you just have to trust me. So they gather and they pray and they wait. And then he does this amazing thing. It it comes like a mighty rushing wind. But you know what preceded that? They were all in one place. And they were in what? It wasn't a Honda. In what? One accord. Does that mean they all dressed alike, talked alike, acted alike? Does it mean that they all had the exact same theological belief system? No. No. If you believe that, you've believed a lie. You've painted your God such a pretty little box that you feel comfortable in, you believe that. And that's not true. They were coming from every perspective. Every, like I said, you got fishermen who were cussing and saying they didn't know Jesus with tax collectors who would lie, cheat, and steal. You had prostitutes who had been born again, who had believed in him. In this room... They weren't all on the same spiritual level. But they had one thing in common. He had made a promise. He had made a promise. And that promise was more important to them than anything else that was going on. So they were there in that room, in one accord, with one heart. Jesus, we want what you promised you would send. It precedes, this promise that he talks about precedes the passage that Mel started with in John 15. She talked about the vine and the branches. Well, what precedes that vine and the branches is the passage of Jesus in John 14. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. As you continue to read through there, he tells them that they're getting ready to come and crucify me. And they didn't want to hear it. That's why he said, don't let your heart be troubled. But in the latter part of John 14, he goes on, he starts talking about this comforter who he's going to send. And he said, it's, it's imperative that I go away so that the comforter can come. I'm with you. He'll be in you. So what they were holding on to is that promise that, man, we understand what it was like to have him with us. What must it be like to have him in us? <laughs> man, that just ran all over me when I said it. What must it be like to have him in us? You know, they had an example. His name was Jesus. See, God himself declares community. You see it in Genesis. He said, let us make man. God there is plural. It's not because there's many gods. There's one God in the expression of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make manna. And in Genesis chapter 1, right from the beginning, it says, God spoke and the Spirit of God moved. We see in Proverbs that who wisdom is. We see in John chapter 1 that it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. It says, and it says in there that without the Word, there was not anything made that was made. Are you with me? So there's the three in one working together to, to create what we have now. When he created the creatures, he created them in pairs. Why? For community. 
He created man and said it wasn't good for man to be alone. Why? Because he couldn't have community. You can't have community with someone of the species. You can have comfort, but you can't have community. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That's why we got dog people and cat people. They want comfort, but they don't have community. An animal can be a companion as far as comfort, but not as community to where you can grow from each other. Doesn't mean you can't learn, but, but you can't grow from that relationship. Are you with me? I want everybody together. Because the heart of God is community. The heart of God is that we don't do life separately, but that we do life together. And I was looking, as I've been in this and just really studying this and just praying into it, we've had small groups in the past. We have sign-up sheets in the, in the kitchen area today for our small groups that we're going to launch in a couple of weeks. And uh, I looked at even our small groups in the past, and we didn't have real community we had companionship, but we didn't have real community. You with me? Okay. Just want to make sure. Because community says we're going to do life together, and I'm not going to just come in with this facade that says everything's okay. I'm going to come in, I'm going to be real, I'm going to speak into your life, and I'm going to allow you to speak in my life. And, and community says that we're not just a community when we meet at this time during this day of this week. Community says, I'm going to be a part of your life every day. Community says, if you need me, you call me. That's why it takes smaller groups, because I can't be community to everyone. Are you with me? And that's why the Lord raises up leaders that, that can have community among a body. That we are a community, but we can't do authentic life together in this setting. It's not going to happen. Because we come in and we sit and we all face the same way. We all listen to one person speak, whether it be me or someone else speaking. We listen to someone speak. We do our pleasantries. We shake hands. We kiss cheeks. We hug necks. And then we do what? We go. And for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part, when does that take place again? Next Sunday. And we come in and we do the same. Oh, it's so good to see you. I just love you. And I'm not saying that that's fake. Are you with me? Thank you, sweetie. She's here for me today. You guys can enjoy her presence, but she's here for me. And you know what she loves? She loves love. You can call it attention, but what she wants is those who will just love her for who she is, right where she is. And you know what? If you don't, she'll find somebody who will. Wow, what we can learn from that. If you go, nope, I'm, I'm not doing you today. She goes, okay, I'll find somebody who will. She's just, she was really unaffected by anybody in the room. Except for those who would commune with her. And then she was locked on to them. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You know, when we begin to do life together, authentically, where we really share and allow other people inside of our bubble, it's when we really start to experience life like Jesus did with his disciples. You understand, he spent three, three years with them intentionally. And you know, do you understand something else? This is, some, this is one of those aha moments I had this week. Hey, me being the deep theologian I am, all right? I'm going to just embarrass myself. <laughs> but I'm okay. I'm just undone. I'm okay. I'll just tell you this. No, I won't say that because that'll show enough to offend somebody. I'll just keep that to me. But as I was studying this week and I was looking at at the uh, 
Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I really don't believe Matthias, Matthias, however you say his name, was supposed to be the 12th disciple, I mean 12th apostle. I think it was supposed to be Paul. You don't have to agree with me. You can't prove me wrong and I, you can't prove you right. <laughs> they chose, right? They did. They chose. They, they said, here's Matthias and here's someone else. I think it was going to be Paul. Because Paul was going to get the revelation of grace. If I offended you, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend you. Okay? I just want you to understand. They were gathering together. and he, That wasn't my point. Here's my point. You know what was going on? When they, it says that, there were, that they chose Matthias, and I don't remember the other guy's name. There were two. They drew straws. Are you with me? And Matthias is the one that got picked. But, but what, what I'm saying is, it says that these are, some, these are two that they picked who had been with Jesus from the beginning, just like the twelve. Are you with me? So we've got this picture of Jesus did community with 12 people, and that was it. That's not true. That's tradition. That's not true. Because it said these men in Acts chapter 1 were, had been with him from the beginning. That's why they said, let's choose one of these two. It just makes sense that it be one of these two. Some people say, I ain't shaking my head that because I don't agree. And that's all good. My point is not, did they miss it? I got a lot of opinions, and if you hang around me long enough, I'll share them with you. <laughs> but uh, that's not my point. My point is this. Jesus did community with a group of people. That was why he spent three and a half years doing life on this earth, not just so he could go and say, here's the way I want you to do it. He could have written down a bunch of codes and regulations and laws like they had on the old covenant. He said, I didn't come to bring laws. I came to bring community. I came to bring family. You know, you've heard the saying that he sowed a son to reap a family. Well, family is community. It's doing life together, right? That's a healthy, let me, let me, let me, clarify that. A healthy family is a community because inside of that community, everybody has a part and everybody works to make the unit work, right? For kids, they think they're the, the unpaid servant many times. They think... <laughs> They think they're the unpaid servant who just has to do all the stuff around the house so mom and dad can just come in and take it easy. Not realizing that mom and dad are working the jobs that puts the, the, the games in the PlayStation or the Xbox and the air in the, in the floor that blows out real cool and feels good in the summer and warm heat in the, in the winter and food on the table and lights so they can turn their little games and TVs on and the TV in their room and the iPods in their hand. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Come on, sister. <laughs> but the whole family works together. Right? And you know what? I believe this. In a healthy family, kids, close your ears. <laughs> you can be dismissed now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, the parent's not always right, but they're always in authority. And as godly examples of that, then there ought to be time. We shouldn't be too proud that we can't say, I missed it to our kids. We shouldn't be too proud to say, I missed it to my child. So that they learn that it's not about being perfect. It's about growing. It's about being community, about caring enough about them and the relationship with them to permit them to be the ox and to make a mess and say, I love them enough I can clean up. The world is not hungry for our great worship. It's not hungry for our good messages. It's hungry for community that begins and ends with Jesus. The people who will love us beyond our faults into his presence into his likeness. And in that place, we are no longer the center of our universe. 
One passage you can read that goes right along with that is the passage that Stephanie read, sent me this morning. It's Romans chapter 15, 1 through 13. Talks all about that. Another one's Philippians. I, I'm going to... Philippians, I love this, and uh, I've got it, and I think the, the New King James and, and the Passion Translation. The New King James says, uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, 1 through 4, says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, that word fellowship there is koinonia. It means community. It means communion. It means partnership. There's so, several other passages I'll give you later on that deal with, that deal with this word koinonia. You know, when we, when we were doing Wednesday night services, we called them koinonia. We called them, uh, that was the name of our Wednesday night service because it's partnership. It wasn't the, the, the uh, purpose and intent of my heart wasn't that we just gather again and listen to a talking head, but that we actually began to function as a community, as a body, and grow together. And... Uh, so in this passage, he said, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Okay, I'm not leaving without you today. There's some days I'm just like a cat with his tail on fire, and I'm running wide open. Today is not that day. We're going to go together. Of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Shaba. Whoa! <laughs> let each of you look, not, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. At the Passion Translation, here's what it says. I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in total unity with one heart, one passion, and united in in one love. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with abounding joy. Be free from from controversy or pride-filled opinions. Controversial or pride-filled opinions. There you go. For they, they will only harm your cherished unity. So be free from controversial or pride-filled opinions. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to your friends instead of your own interest. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Huh? Let his mindset become your motivation. Who, despising the shame, endured the cross. Why? For you and for me. Despising the shame. It wasn't his concern with himself. It was his concern for the community. And see, what the Lord has been showing me is that as as we understand community in our homes, that, that we're really doing authentic life together. If you're a family, that means that you sit down and you eat together and you talk. That you get to talk through situations, not talk at situations. Anybody hear me? Thank you. And that in that home place, there's a... See, here's the thing. I, I was counseling with this couple this week that, that uh, I'm going to perform the marriage ceremony next month. And I was talking to them and I said, here's the, here's the key of making a house a home. And that's understanding that inside of this place, it's a safe place. That when you come in this place, you're not here having to try to defend yourself or make your case. When you come in here, you can express where you are and what's going on. And you know that I may not agree with everything you're saying, but what anything I say is not going to be to tear you down or cut you up. It's going to be to build you up and to strengthen you. 
I say it this way. When I counsel with couples, I say, when you come home, you lay your sword at the door. And I don't mean your Bible. I'm talking about your defense weapon. Because inside the home, what makes a house a home is when you come in and you're not there trying to defend. You've already, that's your place you've already conquered. So inside that place, you're not trying to defend yourself. Inside that place, you're being transparent and you're being authentic so that you can grow and be who God's called you to be. And the same thing is here. Does that mean that every time you come in here, everything's going to be warm and fuzzy and everybody's going to love you? No. Does that mean every time you come in here that there's never going to be a chance that someone misunderstands you or you get your feelings hurt? No. And that's not just the River Fellowship at 925 Burlington Avenue, Gibsonville, North Carolina, 27249. That's any fellowship you'll go in. There's the potential. If, you really, if you'll risk being transparent, if you'll risk being authentic, there's the potential for you to be hurt. But Jesus risked that because he saw that what the reward was much greater than the risk. And when we'll risk that, I'm, I'm going to tell you, every, if I went home every time I got stabbed in the back or tongue lashed, I'd be so far in a hole you'd never see me again. Every time I was misunderstood, misquoted, maligned, lied about in the church. Jesus. I would quit. I would quit a long time ago. I'm not puffing me up. I'm just telling you, it's not about me. It's about him. And every day, that's that's not a blanket statement that covers the rest of my life. That's every day I wake up and I say, Jesus, I choose to be in community with you. And I choose to put you first in my life. When when others may not understand me, Lord, you know my heart. And that's not that little, oh, the Lord knows my heart. You tear somebody a new one and you go, well, the Lord knows my heart. No. No, no, no. That's not it. That's your old stinking thinking. You just want to express yourself, and you don't care who it affects. That's not what Romans says. That's not what Philippians right here says, right? Ooh, Shaba, Jesus. But that knowing if I'm willing to be transparent, if I'm willing to be real, there is the potential that I'll get hurt. But here's the thing, you can grow from it. And from that, you can come out higher. You can come out stronger. And you can come out with the ability to help somebody else who may go through what you went through. But if you choose to withdraw into your social media world, what you will become is hard and cynical. Because what you'll do is you'll cut anybody off who who seems to be a threat to you, who has the potential to hurt you. And again, I'm not saying we should all go home and delete our Facebook accounts. That's not it. That's not what I'm saying. But I will say, if you want to talk to me, don't Facebook me. I look at Facebook more for amusement than anything. If it, and don't be upset if you do something and I don't like it. Doesn't mean I don't like it. It just means I don't live there. I choose to do my world, my life with real people. Josh, I still haven't liked the men's Facebook page that we're doing a, a kickoff. I'm sorry. In saying that, I'll segue into saying Facebook can be a positive thing. It can be a place where you can use it to bring honor to the Lord. But if it's your world, it's not healthy. If all your friends are Facebook friends and that you message back and forth all the time and that's how you do life. Another one of my good favorite commercials. I think it was for Toyota. And it was this girl sitting 
on the couch with her computer in her lap, and she's talking to all her friends on Facebook, and she can't find her parents. And she said, I don't know why they're not social like I am. And the parents are out with like four or five of their friends riding, mo- um, riding mountain bikes down through the, all this, and they put their bikes up on the car, and they're just smacking high five, and they're having fun together. And she's sitting on the couch with dim light coming through the window, and she's in her world. And I'm like, man, that's so true. You know what's sad? People laugh at that and go, oh, that's funny. And, but yet they're stuck in that. See, what I'm saying, what does all this mean? What are you rambling about? I'm not. I'm very intentional today in saying until we choose to do community together and understand that it's, it is a safe place, but inside that safe place, you know what? My house is, my house is a safe place, but I can still stump my toe in my house. I can still fall down and bump my knee or bump my head in my house. I can make a mistake and hurt my wife in my house. I did this morning. Before I left, I squeezed her little finger and it got red and she smacked me. Because <laughs> we do real life. What? On the hand. Because we do real life together. I did something, it hurt. She smacked me. Yeah. See the red marks on my face? I'm just kidding. I don't even think like that. She said, I didn't want to think I smacked your face. I don't even think like that, so thank you, babe. Some people do. Them Facebook people don't say. That's good right there. (laughs) She smacked my hand. So what I'm inviting us into is a journey of doing real authentic life together. And and as you see that in Acts chapter 2, And I'm going to continue to teach here because I'm just, I'm undone by it. I can't get past it in a good way because we, we've cried out and we've cried out and we've looked for and desire. And I am all about studying God's generals. I'm all about studying revival culture and history and things like that. But I understand in that it's so easy to create a box. And I know that if I look at him, he's the authentic. And in Acts chapter 2, there was the birthing of this thing we call church. And there was some pretty powerful dynamics that took place. And one is right after this message where 3,000 people got saved. You know, I said the other day, we're not ready for 3,000 people. You know what's so cool? I shared that with my buddy Bill, the Lutheran pastor. I shared it with Bill, and he said, Todd, if you get 3,000 people, send the ones you need to down here. We'll help you. We'll disciple them, and we'll send them back to you. You know how they handled it? They did authentic community. You read it, Acts chapter 2, it will blow your mind. Most churches get nervous when you start talking about after the tongues of fire and the mighty wind and the message and 3,000 getting saved. That's where they want to stop because next it says they went house to house. They sold what they had so that no one was doing without. They began to do community. That, and I'm not saying we've got to commune that we're going to sell all our houses and buy a plot of land out outside of Gibsonville and build, build little ranches on it. Now, we're all going to live there, and we're going to farm there. We're going to stay inside of our gate, and we're just going to have children amongst ourselves. That's not healthy. That is not healthy. And that ain't nothing good about that. I just got southern on you. But what I, <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. But what they did say, you know what he's talking about? He said immediately, they understood. When they entered into authentic community, they understood that my money's not even my own. Thank you for those four. 
that my money's not my own, my time is not my own, because every day they met. Every day they broke bread. So broke bread is two things. They would eat together, but they would take the communion every day. They would fellowship around the Lord's table, and they would recognize. He said, as often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Every day they would get together, and they would think about the high price that Jesus paid. They would give themselves to the doctrine of the apostles. They would give themselves to the teaching of the word of God. Every day they met together, and they studied the word together. They ate together. They did life together. How many of you know in that setting, somebody's going to have a bad day someday? It wasn't every day they come in and said, oh, Mel's going to sing that song from heaven today. <laughs> and I'm going to get the Holy Ghost bumps all over me. And I'm going to shock a boomba. Woo! No, they came in and they did life together. And, that, and as you continue to read that, it doesn't just say there were 3,000 saved. It said that the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Daily, he added to the church. How? How in the world did it happen? Because they were doing life together. They were doing community together. From the little ones to the not little ones, <laughs> right? They were doing life together, authentic, real life. And that's what God desires for us. And that's what my heart's desire. When, when I shared earlier, when I said, the Lord's just telling me, will you trust me? See, part of the importance of community is this. When you start building relationships with people that you really love and that you care about, you'll be willing to weather stuff that you don't have all the answers for. Anybody ever walked in a relationship with someone, you didn't understand everything they did, but you still loved them? Four of you. Thank you. Those four come up front. We're going to pray for everybody else before they leave today. Break off something off of them. Let's stand. Stand up here. Hey. Hey. So I was just going to keep this for myself because it was really cool and made my massage therapy mind happy. <clears throat> um, Diana, you'll understand. Okay, so if anybody, high school students, if you've taken anatomy or any weightlifters out here, I'm not going to look around. Um, <laughs> pull thought. So when he was talking about the body, and I was thinking about that earlier this morning, and I talked about the vine and, you know, thinking of a tree, and I heard Heidi Baker say one time, stupid is the branch that thinks it doesn't need the roots, and I thought, yeah, that's good, you know, and just talking about being the body, and you can't be a branch by yourself, you know, and, but then I thought more about um, the body as in, like, our physical anatomy, and um, about muscles, and how there's so many different muscles, and I kept thinking, okay, it's been, like, nine years since I've had anatomy, is there one muscle that can do one action by itself? And then I started kind of thinking and going back, and, and I don't really know that answer for sure. But what <laughs> I do know is that one thing is that muscles are interwoven. You your quad goes over, around, and past your knee over a joint. Your hamstrings goes all the way back, back up into your glutes, and your glutes go down into everything is kind of you know, it, it's interwoven and connected. You don't have one muscle that you go, that's that one. It's the only one. No, there's one underneath it and around it and kind of in the right. middle of it. Um, <clears throat> but then thought about, um, there's things called antagonist, synergist. Okay, so if I do this and I just bring my arm all the way here, what I've flexed is my bicep. But if I need to hold this in a certain position, there is a whole lot more muscles that are working right now. I've, or if I, it's something really heavy, my bicep is working, my tricep is also working to keep it in a position. So I just, because that's like so a long time ago for me, I just threw it in Wikipedia and it, I thought it was really good. So I'm not gonna try to explain it, follow what I'm saying and let the Holy Spirit just tell you what it means. but. An antagonist muscle is one that works in opposition to the movement initiated by an agonist muscle. The antagonist muscle in a muscle set brings a limb or an, an 
anatomical part back to its initial position of rest. So the set is you have an antagonist muscle and an agonist. In this example, your tricep is one and your bicep is the other. It brings it back to a position of rest. These muscles set, the muscle sets are referred to as, these are just lots of big words, antagonist pairs, which are needed by the body because muscles can only inherently exert a force that, is, that pulls on ligaments and bones. It needs the opposite muscle in the pair to bring it back to its original position. The muscle responsible for moving the body part away from its position shortens and contracts. For instance, if I do this, my tricep is shortened and contracted, whereas my other one is stretched out and in a relaxed position. Uh, the muscle responsible for moving the body part away from its position shortens and contracts, and the an antagonist muscle responds by stretching, which then enables the second movement. And then just the other part where it just says that the antagonist muscle is especially important when a person extends or contracts limbs and holds um, objects against gravity and tries to maintain balance while standing erect. So I just think it's very important that the body work together and that you're okay with one that may feel like it's in opposition to you. It's not. It's stretching you and it's helping you to hold stuff up. You know what's awesome, too? You, you can learn. All right. As I watch the kids... Yeah, every, all the adults, they were sitting there trying to process in their mind what she's talking about. The kids, they were like. <laughs> <laughs> they were doing it. You can learn from that. That's why the Lord wanted them in here. You can learn from that. We sit there and we pro I'm doing community. I am in community, and I'm in it up to here. But the kids, they're in community. They're in it. They looking, they point at each other's muscles, touching each other's muscles. It was awesome what males shared. And that to see the kids actually entering in and doing life together. Does that make sense? You say, oh, that's just simple. No, they, the kids are willing. You have to be taught not to do that. I'm going to... Be real transparent and tell on Emily. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I can be transparent and tell on her. But one of the things that's so cool, when they first joined our group, our small group, uh, one of the things she said, she said, what's hard for me, the transition that's hard for me, is that the kids are more open and just willing to be transparent and go after it, and adults are more guarded. Isn't that about what you said? Something to that effect. And she said, I'll just be honest, as long as we've worked with kids, that's just hard. And I said... Yes. <laughs> I didn't give her a deep, profound statement. I just said yes. But that's, the, that's where authentic community comes in. It's saying, you know what? I'm willing to try, even if it means I fall down, I get back up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Passing the torch. Pass the baton. Go ahead. What is so awesome to me, guys, I'm sorry, I could not sit still. No. Um, probably, I think I shared this with Em when the Lord gave it to me the first time. And it's awesome because I just shared it with Tisha like a month ago. Because um, when I started interceding for the river, God just gave me such a heart for unity for us. And it was never conformity, never you know, for all of us to look alike, but it was to celebrate each other and what that looked like. So I went after it. M is my witness. Um, I went after it. I said, God, show me a picture of what that looks like. I want to know what it looks like to us. Yeah. And what the Lord showed me was God. And all of us were in a circle. Every single person, not a single person was not there. Every single person that's ever walked in the door was a part wow. of this circle. And what I saw was we were all connected by this line individual indivisible lines that we couldn't see but we were all connected and what the lord would do is he would speak to peggy 
And Peggy would speak to Melanie, and P Melanie would speak back to God, and God would speak back to this one. And then, we, on. do you see what I'm saying? We were all in a circle. We were all connected to him, but we were all connected to each other. So I think that's what the Lord is really wanting us to see, that that's what it looks like. Yeah. That no matter, you know, just like what Pastor preached. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. That's good. See, that's the thing. The power of community is that's why God gave different gifts in the body, so that we would have... Uh, opportunity and necessity for each other. Yes. Yes. Right? That's why one doesn't just flow with all of it all the time. It's because each part supplies. And that's what the Bible talks about. Each part supplies. Every joint, every sinew, it brings a vital part. And the, the number one lie of the enemy will say, no, it does, you really don't matter because you don't have the gift that they have. Paul said they comparing themselves against themselves are not amongst themselves are not wise. So what does that mean? So when you look at somebody else's gift, like Stephanie or, or Emily or Melanie, and you go, well, I don't have that gift. Good. Because we have that gift. We need the other expressions of Jesus in this place. And there may be some that are similar and not the same. That's because he didn't make copies. He made every one of us unique. Uh, Tish said this some time ago, and I don't remember who she attributed it to, but he, didn't make, he gave us a voice, and not, he didn't make us an echo. No, it's so funny. Like, we, what he was talking about, um, like as simple as that picture is, me and Stephen and uh, Cam, we sat, what he preached today, we talked about it at a campfire last night. That's Amen. like he said, authentic. He said, being transparent. I mean, the exact words. Come on. So I wasn't at the camp. He wasn't there. I'd already gone home. He left at eight thirty. Take a shower and go to bed. It was. <laughs> it was nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it's so cool how he's unified things yeah. and put things in place. I mean, men's fellowship is something that's been big. That's been been growing but it's it's we've seen that we've yeah. seen that community meeting one-on-ones and doing exactly things like that right. and the guys are really i mean for the first time i and steven was telling me he said the first time i've seen people excited about something you know and they're excited about growing together and getting the fellowship together so i mean encouraging you I mean, you that was probably one of the best messages i've heard come on man so. hey i'm good with that we're going up higher and higher Something that the Lord has shown me a long time ago is that he's weaving a tapestry of lives. Yeah. And if you think about the tapestry, the hues, the colors, the inter how tightly knit and intertwining, that he's yeah. weaving a tapestry of lives. Amen. Amen. And color makes it pretty. You don't want a tapestry like, like male soaking rug. I know. Now, would that, would that say a lot to you if it was all this color like this? That doesn't say near as much, does it? <laughs> but you know what? This is how we mo want most of our churches to look. We want them to look like this because that's safe. And it's not threatening. But that right there, that'll mess with your world. Amen. Just close one eye and do this a few times. That'll mess with <laughs> Amen. It's a circle. Sure enough. <laughs> 